are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Well, good morning. A little trick on speaking, it always helps to bring your own cheering squad. So, it just, uh, it doesn't hurt to have a bunch of rowdy drug addicts that just want to come and cheer you on. It's okay. Have you ever had this many addicts in one room before? We're so thankful to be here. Thank you, men. Thank you, men, for coming this morning. It means so much to have you all here. Haven't you felt the Spirit of God today in this room? Absolutely. We can give Jesus a round of applause this morning as we get started. Wow. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Oh, praise God. Well, my name is Lance Lang, and I am the founder of Hope is Alive. And I'm so thankful and excited to be with you all this morning. Thank you, Pastor Rick, for having me. Pastor Dan, Pastor Chris, thank you all so much for this incredible opportunity to be here and tell you a little bit more about Hope is Alive. As I begin, I want to tell you a little bit about our mission. Our mission is to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. And we do that in a couple ways. One of the ways is through support groups for loved ones of addicts called Finding Hope. And today you might be out there listening and saying, I know somebody that I love who is struggling with addiction. Finding Hope is a support group for you. We'd love to connect you with our Finding Hope staff right outside after this service. The primary way that we work with addicts and alcoholics, though, is through our mentoring homes. We have nine mentoring homes here in Oklahoma City and over 100 residents that are living in our program today. We believe that change takes place. Listen to this now. Change takes place when commonly afflicted people are challenged to grow, heal core wounds, develop life skills, all within the confines of biblical community. Commonly afflicted people, challenged to grow, heal core wounds, pick up life skills along the way, and they do so in the confines of biblical community. Pick up Acts, and you'll find out where we got that, right? God is doing some amazing things within Hope is Alive. As I mentioned, nine homes here in Oklahoma City. I'll give you a recap of what's happened just in the past two years alone. Over 80 years of combined sobriety achieved. 77 children reunited with mom and dad. Yeah, that can deserve a round of applause. We've seen residents start new careers, go back to college, debts paid, so much more. But friends, this morning at BFC, the most exciting thing I want to tell you about that's happened in the past two years is 250 men and women have professed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. 250 people. Over 100 of them taking the next step in public baptism. God is doing some amazing things. And hope is alive. But before I get started this morning, I've got to tell you the secret sauce, really, of hope is alive. I like to call it the Chick-fil-A sauce. I don't know if you all are with me on that or not. The Chick-fil-A sauce of hope is alive. If you're really curious, what makes this thing tick? I've got to be honest with you. It's my wife. <laughs> it's my wife. There's a picture of her. She is home with our newborn baby today. I know she's watching online, though. Hi, Allie. Thank you so much for everything that you have done. I like to say it like this. When Allie joined our team... She made everything 
more better and more beautiful. Amen? Men, you can steal that line later. She made everything better and more beautiful. She crafted our program, and since joining our team, hundreds of people have found freedom. And on behalf of her and our board and our entire team, friends, we'd like to invite you to come and encounter Hope is Alive. I hope that you're inspired by what God is doing. It's an incredible story. You'll find out today. But I want to invite you to come and encounter what God is doing at Hope is Alive. We want to invite you to come tour a home. Maybe your Sunday school class could adopt one of our homes and get to know these men and these women. And what I'll tell you is this, I promise you this, when you come encounter Hope is Alive and you get to know our residents, not only will you help them and you'll disciple them and you'll help feed them, but you will be the one that will leave changed. I promise you. You think you're going to serve them, you're going to get served, I promise you that. Because something happens when you encounter men and women who were once dead in sin, who are now alive in Christ. When you get in touch with the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it changes people. Did you watch how they worshipped? I watched some of you watch them, so I know you did. There's something special about men and women. Come on, where's my CR folks? Come on, right? Who were once dead, who are now alive in Christ. And the truth be told, we've all got hurts, habits, and hang-ups. From the back row to the front row, friends. We've all got hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And we all could use a little bit more of the gospel in our life. So I want to invite you to come and encounter Hope is Alive. To get to know what God is doing. We're so thankful for the partnership that we begin already with BFC as our men are using the Floyd Center uh, several times throughout the month. And we're thankful for that. Right, men? We appreciate that. But we would love for you all to jump in even further with this incredible mission. This calling called Hope is Alive. Let's pray and we'll get started. God, thank you so much for this incredible opportunity to tell your story of how, Father, you change our lives. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for grace. Thank you for your son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, if you're taking notes, and I hope it's a lie, we believe that note takers are history makers. So I'd encourage you to do that this morning. I want to talk to you from the title, Your Secret Weapon. So grab a phone, grab a pencil, write that down. Your secret weapon. Friends, I came to tell you that every single person in this room has a secret weapon. You do. You have a secret weapon that strikes at the heart of others. It's inspiring. It's captivating. It's a special gift that God gave only you. And if used properly, it can help to change people's lives. And I hope today that I can inspire you to believe that as well. In fact, it reminds me of the first time that I met Pastor Chris, this young man named Timmy Riggs that was with him one day. And we thought we'd be rather bougie and go to Nichols Hills and have some salads one day. So that's what we did. And as we began to get to know each other, I began to tell them a little bit about my story. And as I shared with them what had happened in my life, they began to reciprocate. And they began to tell me their stories. And as we left that encounter that day, our hearts 
were knit together. We were inspired. We were captivated. We believed that together we could go and do great things. You see, there's power in a story. The truth is we would not be here today and some of your lives will be changed today. I believe some of your families will forever be changed today. That would have never happened if we would have never sat together and told each other our stories. You see, we have a secret weapon. There's three things I want you to know as we get started this morning about your secret weapon. Number one is very simply, your story is your secret weapon. Number two, stories connect people. Number three, stories change people. Why is this? Well, it's because stories are sticky. They connect us as human beings. They change us. It's actually proven that stories can connect us together as humans on a molecular level. That's a big word for the early service on Sunday morning. Stories are sticky. They bind us together one to another. Recent studies at Princeton have proved this to be the case, actually. It's not just my words. Take the smart guy's words for it. They say this, that showing brainwaves of people as they've studied this, that those that are listening or watching the stories begin to synchronize with that of the storyteller. Isn't that interesting? As I begin to tell stories today, studies would show your brainwaves will connect with mine and they'll start moving together. These studies at Princeton, the scientists tell you this, that depending on the story you're reading, watching, or listening to, your palms might start to sweat. You'll blink faster. Your heart might flutter or skip. You'll get the chills. Your facial expressions will shift. The muscles above your eyebrows will begin to change. Has this ever happened to you? If any of you have ever watched any of the mountain climbing documentaries on Netflix, you know what I'm talking about. As you begin to watch these stories, and my wife will tell you, every time I watch one of those documentaries, by the end of it, I'm standing three inches from the screen, my shirt's off because I'm profusely sweating, and I feel like I'm about to fall off that mountain, right? It's because stories are connecting. We feel like we're right there in the middle of that mountain climb with them. Stories are sticky. They connect us. Well, the Princeton study goes on to say this. Listeners and watchers of stories many times will begin and when they leave the storytelling experience They'll go and talk about that moment Like many of you might do this afternoon and they'll share what they experience with someone else Which then reinforces the memory of the story inside of them and enforces a change in Behavior what am I trying to tell you stories connect people and stories change people? Science is reiterating my point that we've got a secret weapon and it's sticky. It connects us one to another and it can change people. But friends, this morning at BFC Church, we don't need science to tell us what our Savior has already taught us. Jesus knew the power of stories. Therefore, every single encounter, read the Gospels, when he was around people, what would he use? Parables. Earthly story, heavenly meaning. He knew the power of stories. Many times as you read the Gospels, you'll hear him around a group of people. And verses in Mark will show you this. Like People had ears, but they couldn't hear. They had eyes, but they couldn't see. So I would tell them stories. To try to make a point, he'd say, well, it's kind of like the... Uh, 
a son of a rich man who chose to go and squander his inheritance. And he begins to tell you a story, right? Well, it's kind of like I scattered seeds and they fall this way and that way. What was he doing? Jesus was trying to take you on a journey, trying to engage your emotions, trying to drive a point, trying to help you change from the inside out. God knew the power of stories. Jesus modeled storytelling. And friends, I came to tell you this morning, you've got a story to tell. You've got a secret weapon. And God wants you to use it. I'll never forget the first time that I realized that I was addicted to prescription pain pills. It was a freezing cold February night. Yet I woke up in a hotel room outside of Denver profusely sweating. From a dead sleep, I popped up knowing something wasn't right with me. I could barely move. So I was able to roll myself out of bed and I hit the floor with a thud and I began to crawl dizzy and discombobulated in this dark room all the way around the bed into the bathroom, pulled myself up over the sink, flipped the lights on and saw these red bloodshot eyes, these bags under my eyes And something wasn't right. And within a moment's notice, all these thoughts of what I used to see on movies and TVs, of people who were on drugs and they were experiencing withdrawal, I realized that was happening to me. I came to a fork in the road that night. I could either reach out for help, right men? Or I could continue to go down this vicious road of destruction. Unfortunately, you can assume that I went down that road of destruction. Well, it wasn't about 30 days later when I ran into this young woman. And remember, I'm using drugs every single day. But I ran into this woman and she just swooped me up off my feet. Guys, go ahead and nudge your wives. You remember this moment. I was in love. I was captivated by this woman. So much so I began to actually stop using drugs for a few weeks. But how many of you know there's no amount of love that can ever keep an addict clean? So I went back to those same habits day after day after day. And it led to a destructive, toxic relationship. I can remember so many nights where fighting and screaming matches, lies and manipulations, intense conversations where I would look in this beautiful lady's eyes and I would swear to her, I promise you I won't go pick up drugs tonight. I'd sneak my way out of the house, jump in the car. She'd try to pull me out of the car to try to stop me, but I was chasing the drugs and she was chasing me. After years of this destruction and this cycle, toxicness, She caught me stealing drugs once again from her family and she called it off. Rightfully so, she left, called off our engagement and I found myself in a cycle of destruction and darkness that, friends, I can't even really describe to you. I was a liar, I was a cheater, I was a master manipulator. I look in your eyes and tell you whatever I had to tell you to get whatever I had to get. The darkness was so heavy around me. Just when I thought I couldn't get any lower, I found Oxycontin. And my addiction exponentially jumped off the charts. I couldn't go a single hour without putting something in my body. I was fully hooked. At the end of those three years of my life, I was taking upwards to 50 pills a day. 
But how many of you know that we serve a God who will step into your moment of darkness? You see, there is no place of misery where his mercy won't heal. There is no darkness he cannot overcome. He will crawl into that pit with you, lift you up, put your foot on the rock, steady, as, steady you as you are wavering and put a new song in your mouth. That new song is my story. It reminds me of this scripture. It says this, the Psalmist 139 says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Verse 12 says this, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Someone needs to hear that this morning. There is no place of darkness where the light of our Father cannot reach you. There is no place of darkness where the light of our Father cannot reach your son, mom, your daughter, dad, your neighbor, your co-worker, your spouse. There's no place of darkness where the light of our Father cannot reach you. I don't know about you, but that gets me pretty excited this morning because I know where I've been. Where the light of the Father came and rescued me. I've only got 25 minutes. I could tell you a whole lot more stories of the kind of person that I was. But what I want to tell you this morning is the kind of person that God's made me today. April 27, 2011, God picked me up, put me into a treatment center, and I began to work on my life. He began to break me down so he could build me back up. And I began to realize as I was in that treatment center in just those first few months of my sobriety that God had really given me a secret weapon. That my story was meaningful. It was impactful. And it could be used if I was willing. Someone needs to hear this this morning. See, it's one thing to have a story. It's another thing to be willing to engage it. And very early on, I realized that God was going to give me opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to share my story but it was up to me to say yes. And maybe today God's calling you into a step of obedience that looks scary. That feels uncomfortable. That puts yourself out there. I want to tell you there's hope on the other side of a yes. You see a yes to God is a yes to a life of purpose. A yes to God is a yes to your God-given destiny. A yes to God is a yes to God's preferred future in your life. Will you say yes to what he's calling you to do today? Honestly, I believe if we just sat down one-to-one -one and we had a conversation, there was no person in this room who would not tell me that they wanted to live a life of significance. If you're in this church this morning, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you want to live a life of significance. Somebody nod your head with me this morning, right? There's nobody in here that doesn't want to do that. But here's the problem. See, the enemy is up against us every single day in every single way. And he wants to make you believe that your story doesn't have an impact. That your story is not as crazy as mine or crazy as theirs. See, the enemy loves to cast doubt. But we must remember that we're called God's co-workers. 
He wants to use you alongside him. And so every single time you feel that tug of the spirit on your heart to lend a helping hand, to share your story, to jump into a Sunday school class, to volunteer your time, to bring a meal to a bunch of drug addicts. That's God saying, get in the game. Engage your story. I want to use you to set people free. I know we're facing a battle, friends. But what we must remember is that we're not facing it unarmed. Romans 12, 11 says that we overcome by the what? The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We've got something to fight the enemy. You've got a secret weapon, friends. And it's your story. So not only does the enemy like to make us doubt what our story has to say and how powerful it is, but he also wants us to compare it to others. And I've been there. I live with this every single Sunday morning when I drive to a church to tell my story like this. Don't you know that the enemy hates when I do this? He wants to plant that seed that, Lance, your story is old. It's 10 years. How many more times are you going to do this? Lance, I mean, come on. You never spend any time behind bars. You never put a needle in your arm. Your story's not that crazy. You're just another drug addict. But I reject that, friends. My story's powerful because it's the story of the gospel in my life. I was a man who was dead in sin. I was in bondage to addiction. But God in His goodness and His grace set me free. He set me free. So I can't help but scream it from the mountaintops. I am free. I am new. There's a song there's a story in my heart, and it's my responsibility, my calling to tell it to you. What you do with it, what God does with it in your heart is up to Him. But my response is to be obedient to that calling and say yes. 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 Well, the freedom that I found in my sobriety began to... Uh, Draw up some momentum to begin to help other people. You ever been there where you just feel like, ah, I want to help somebody. I've got something somebody else needs. And that's the way that I felt very early on. And so I had this vision and God began to give me a, what would it look like to have a house where I invited other men just like me to come and live. And so that's what we did here in Oklahoma City. I opened a home in February 15th of 2013 and I invited these five guys to come and live in this home with me. And I show you this picture because it's really the only public picture of me without a beard. My wife will tell you that will never happen again. But me and these five guys began to go on this journey. And one home went to two, went to three, went to four. And about that time, I began to run into that woman that I told you about a few minutes ago. And unbeknownst to me, God began to do a work in her life. A work of forgiveness. A work of grace. And through many, many years and a lot of a story, um, on October 15th of 2016, she gave me the, the best gift other than my salvation with Jesus Christ, her hand in marriage. And that's my wife today. Yes, she's gorgeous. And she joined the ministry like I told you. But what's really cool about it is that she began to use her story. And she opened up homes for women. And what began to happen is that I began to use my story. She began to use her story. God began to use our story. And this gets me so excited. The power of story. She had one home for women and then two homes for women and three homes for women. Well, fast forward nine years later. 
Hope is Alive has 24 homes in 10 cities in five states. Make some noise. Over 200 residents in the program. I showed you the five guys. This is a picture of everybody all together. Check that out. And hold on just one second on this slide. BFC, when you partner with Hope is Alive, I want you to look in the eyes of every single one of those people. You're investing in their future. You're investing in their families. Because every single one of them has children. They have a future in front of them. They've got a life that's worth living. And when you partner with Hope is Alive, you are helping to radically change the lives of hundreds of people. But even more than that, you're changing generations and generations and generations to come. And as I wrap up this morning, it reminds me of Deanna, a story that is just near and dear to my heart. I think we have a picture of Deanna when she began her addiction journey. It's a strange picture, but you can see the hopelessness, right, in her eyes. Just a little background on her. She grew up here in Oklahoma and through some traumatic experiences in her life. She'd tell you that by 15 years old, she was really struggling with alcoholism. 15 years old. Tragically, after getting married, her husband died of an overdose. Just a few years later, even more tragically, the father of her second daughter died as well. So here she is in her early 20s battling with guilt and grief and anxiety. She'd tell you that she began to abuse opiates and meth during this time in her life. But her rock bottom would come just a few years later when for the third time the DHS custody worker showed up at her house. And this time they would leave with her children. Desperate. No place to go. Alone. Having been kicked out of treatment center after treatment center. She prayed for a miracle. God brought her to a state-funded facility here in Oklahoma where one afternoon a, a young woman from Hope is Alive walked in the doors. And as they sat in a circle, this young woman from Hope is Alive began to tell her story about how DHS had come and taken her kids just a few years earlier. But how the power of the gospel had changed her life She'd worked through this program that had given her the opportunity to go back in front of a judge and with power and confidence say, I can do this. And Deanna saw the hope in that young girl's heart. The story that changed her life. And she said, I want what she's got. So she moved into Hope is Alive. Worked through the program. Began to work so hard to radically change her life. Finished this last January. Just right around that time, the judge said, in May, I'm going to give you your kids back. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? We got a picture today of her and three daughters. And I can tell you hundreds of stories, but what I want you to really draw into this morning is it's the power of story. Don't think you're above it. Jesus used stories every single time he sat with people. He gave you a story. He gave you a secret weapon. And the culmination of what I'm saying today is that when one person tells a story, it impacts another life. And this domino effect begins to happen. 
This has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with God. Today, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people's lives have been radically changed. And children have moms and dads again. And the kingdom of heaven has exploded because someone chose to tell their story. And yeah, you might not have an addiction story. But you got yours. And the truth is, your story, ma'am, is the only one that can impact her life. Only in God's economy will your struggles equal someone else's strength. It makes no sense. Only in God's economy is what brought you down will let build someone else up. Your story is unique. It's specific to you and no one else has it, but so many people need it. So this morning, I want to challenge you as we close in prayer to know that yes, God's doing amazing things. The hope is alive. And yes, we want your partnership and we need your support. We'd love for you to rally around us because it's working and God loves to see broken things made beautiful again. But more than anything, I want to challenge you to know that you've got a story. Because what would happen if a group of people this large were to walk out of this room on fire to tell their neighbor and their coworker about what the gospel of Jesus Christ has done in their life. So God, may we be so moved today. To believe that in our hearts. That our past doesn't disqualify us. It actually qualifies us to speak life, truth, and hope. God, it is our prayer that we would have eyes to see those who you have called us to impact. That you would give us the boldness and the courage to step out and to tell our story and to engage our secret weapon. We want to have obedience and we trust you with the results. Friends, the altar is open this morning. Maybe today. It's that time where you need to come face to face with your maker and say, God, I know you've been calling me to do something greater, to engage my story, and I haven't been willing to do that. The altar is open. Maybe this morning you have a family member that's been struggling with addiction and you need to bring them to the foot of the cross. You need to bring them to the healer. The altar is open. Or maybe today is your day to say no more am I going to give this 50% today I'm all in Father we love you we dedicate this time to you Amen You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene visit us online at bethanynaz.org